And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Welcome to Under the Radar, presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. And it's time for your most favorite show in the whole wide world. It's Under the Radar. I'm uh, back from leave. And uh, DVR and Ian Khan have conveniently decided they don't want to do the show. So I'm here with Al Melchior. Well, their loss. My gain. That's right. Happy Al. to be here, Nando. Have, this is great. We haven't uh, we haven't done this in a while. Couple years, two, three years, maybe. Uh, it's almost several years at this point. I think it qualifies for. I would say so. Al and I used to work together at CBS down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and it was a glorious time, wasn't it? It absolutely was. And then there was another iteration. There was Nando Thursdays. That's right. That's on right. a different show. A different platform. Yes. <laughs> but CBS, that was, well, actually, those were fun. Those Thursday shows were fun. CBS, the golden years with Azer and uh, and Scott White and stuff was great. Yeah, it was uh, it was a special time, Nando. We don't get to do this as often as we should. Well, we're, we're, we're here now. That's right. I am excited. <laughs> on today's show, a lot of weird stuff. Um, so get in... in <laughs> In caps, and Al, I appreciate you sticking to number 11, where I asked you not to bid on this guy I had discovered last night. You put it in caps, so that's pretty much a command. <laughs> I put the F word in there, too. I knew you wouldn't. I knew you wouldn't, because you're a gentleman, and you probably don't even like this guy. <laughs> so I don't know which one compelled you more not to do it, but uh, you know, we'll find out later. We um, will. Yeah, so on today's show, that mystery player who we'll bring up in a second, minor leaguer, uh, who's tearing it up in the minors, nobody's talking about. A uh, little Jake Berger, unless they say it Berger, I'm not sure. DVR is not here. We're going to butcher a lot of these, I think, Al. Yeah, I'm up for that. All right, nice. Uh, you know, Greg Bird's on a tear. Uh, I want to talk about some some. Well, actually, Al wanted to talk about Ramon Urias, um, but I, I think we should lead. And look, I'm going to get to your mean Mercedes in a second. Exactly what his value is. But when we started texting about what we should talk about, Al, I think both of us kind of landed. And your columns about it too, about maybe dropping some guys who were big names in shallow leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's ethics, morals, or what, but we're in the Scott White Dynasty League together, and uh, you know, put together by our former colleague Scott White, who made all the rules and has won three years in a row, which I don't think is a coincidence. Um, <laughs> but I got Josh Donaldson, so I'm I'm selling. My team's not in good shape, and I'm in sell mode. And it seems like nobody's buying. And I got Josh Donaldson, um, who's just beyond frustrating. I just want to drop. There's a 24 team points league. Rosters aren't super deep. Um, you know, it's points to like three outfielders. There's no middle infield or anything like that. Uh, there's utility, uh, five starting pitchers, two relief pitchers, and you can only roster nine starting pitchers altogether. So you can't hoard. Um, but I, like Josh Donaldson for me is, I think, like 32 bucks, and he's going to go up another five next year, and no one will trade him. And any kind of offer I've gotten for him has been just garbage. And I'm kind of thinking, like, I might just straight up drop him for someone who I like better than you know, some of these minor leaguers or prospects I've been offered. And now I was just wondering your point of view on that, first of all, as just a general overview 
of if no one's accepting this guy and you just don't want him anymore, don't feel like putting up with the calf injuries, can you just drop him and send him out into the wild and let some people go nuts and fab on him? <laughs> you know, it's funny, Nando, is so, you know, you put this question in the rundown and, and the way it's phrased is, can you just drop Josh Donaldson in a dynasty league? Well, I didn't realize it was our dynasty league. Oh, yeah, this is and all very, so it's, <laughs> it's all very So personal. I was thinking of some <laughs> hypothetical dynasty like, oh, of course you could do this. And then when I, you know, when you started talking about it being your team, I'm like, oh, I don't know if you can do that. So, <laughs> well, Al, why? Uh, you know, I, I think just my, my gut reaction there uh, and that kind of change of heart was just, you know, fearing blowback. And maybe that's not a good reason. It's probably not a good reason. Um, because, yeah, if nobody's going to trade you anything for him, uh, I guess the question is what, you know, if you can't, if you literally can't get anything for him, what's the harm in rostering him and then cutting him during the, the offseason cut period? Because you know what I've done with this league and I've like, I've made the playoffs. I'm like a middling team in this league. I make the playoffs all the time. Um, and like, I've, I've barely had that chance, but I've, like, I've just made the playoffs. So I haven't had the chance to blow up and rebuild and I haven't had the chance to like stack up and sell off all my prospects. I've just been in this weird middle ground and it's, it's annoying. So I just like to blow it up and rebuild. Um, and it's like, he's jamming up a spot that I could use for, uh, uh like someone like, uh, like Adderlin Rodriguez, who we're going to talk about later if we yeah. have time or like <laughs> Greg bird, you know, like we have minor league spots, but we have to get those minor league spots through the draft, but you can, you can grab anybody at any time. Um, but he's taking up a spot of someone who might be more helpful to me next year on a $1 contract. Yeah. I, you know, I think if it's a, if it's a different situation, if it's like a shallower league, and I know we're going to talk about that kind of scenario. And I think that's what I was thinking of with this question, uh, a shallower league where you could pick up somebody who could really either help you now, or you could flip as part of your rebuild. Like, I think it's, it's totally defensible to drop Donaldson. I think, like, I'm not sure what bringing up like a Greg Bird, for example, do, does for you because it's not it's not real baseball. It's not like oh, where you're seeing how he's going to do in order to see if you know it's like an audition for next year because you can do that with him on your bench. So I don't know. Well, well I, I'm, I mean, I'm considering I, Donald. Like I'm saying, like I like my bench. My bench is full of guys who are in that same boat. Like I'm prospecting on, and you know they have no value for me this year. Really, they're just they're kind of. They're almost like a my bench is basically my minor leagues at this moment, looking ahead to 2022. You know what I'm saying? Like those are the guys I'm going yeah. forward with. And so Donaldson is just some old creaky guy who is taking up a spot of a younger person I could pick up who could have value for many, many years for me. Well, here, here I'll, I'll give you an example from one of my teams because I don't see an ethical issue here. People are still going to have to give up something of value to get him. It's not like you're just dropping him in his first come first serve. And you know, you're just gifting somebody a player. Do you want him out? Do you want him super cheap? No. Cause I'm in the exact same spot. Right. You are. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I wasn't for Cedric Mullins, I, I probably would have started to rebuild a rebuild several weeks ago, but I'm holding out this weird hope that I can like somehow, you know, eke in a, a, a playoff spot and, and go on a run, which is totally delusional, but well, I've got another going to win. He manipulates the rules to win. <laughs> well, I've got, I'm in a not new league, which is a, a dynasty league. And, um, I've got Steven Strasburg who's eating up a huge part of my, my payroll. And obviously, I've barely been able to use him this year. I got an offer for him about two, three weeks ago, straight up Sammy Long for him. And Sammy Long was like one or two dollars. I think it was a buck. And I turned it down. And I sort of regret it. Really? Because, yeah. 
because I thought, well, I, I should get more for Strasburg than Sammy Long. But I think it was kind of a dumb move for me to reject that because at this point, I don't know that I'm going to be able to get anything for Strasburg. And then it, I'll wind up either just, you know, having him eat up a roster spot this season, which I definitely could use on somebody else. Or, um, you know, I wind up cutting him in the off season and then it's, it's a total loss. So I think learning from my mistake. Yeah. I think if you really need the spot, drop down, drop Donaldson. If you can't get it, just not in our league, just not in our league, even in our league. All right, Al. Thanks. I I didn't mean to talk you into that. Um, quick. (laughs) I couldn't think of a good reason. Like I said, I was reacting out of fear, like that there's going to be blowback, but you know, a little blow, blowback I mean, against the blowback. It's fab. Like, it's not like I'm, you know, an imbalanced trade would probably bring more blowback than just fabbing him on the open market. Like everyone has a shot at him now. Go nuts. That's that's fair enough. I mean, think back. What was it two years ago, or maybe it was last year? I don't remember when I traded Patrick Corbin and you thought I didn't get enough. I would never say um, that to you. Yeah, you said something along those lines, and you were and you were correct. <laughs> but I didn't say. But I, just for the record, for anyone listening, it wasn't me being like, "Al, I would have given you so much more for Patrick Corbin." Not one of those no, it wasn't like jerky moves. I think we were just and discussing it, was, it. And it was a done deal, right? So yeah, um, no, it was just because I, I, I think I brought it to you because I kind of knew it. I didn't get enough, and wanted to get another, you know, another brain on that uh, for for some feedback. So. I was honored. I was honored to have been that brain. (laughs) Thank you. So yeah, don't, don't repeat my mistakes. Uh, Al quick follow up. Who's worse to have in dynasty right now. Who's more untradeable, uh, Josh Donaldson or Giancarlo Stanton. I would have to think Donaldson is, uh, it's, it's pretty close, but because Stanton's utility, which I've found has been an impediment to my ability to trade him. Yeah, that might even it out or maybe it swings it the other way, but I, I guess personally, I would rather have Stanton. Uh, I just think the odds of him going on a stretch where he's going to stay healthy are better, marginally better than that of Donaldson. Um, it's pretty close, though. Yeah. All right. Um, moving along, Al, your your column is up right now on the site, uh, basically on the same topic, which is you know kind of interesting. Not not exactly dynasty leagues, but you know, yeah, any league. And I thought I find it interesting that you had Rend- uh, Rendon in there. Rendon. I keep saying Rendon. Is it Rendon? It is. It is. Oh, all right. I don't, know. I don't know. Anthony Rendon. Let's go with it. Um, and like, and the commenters, you know, usually I, I like to read the comments just to see what people are thinking and, you know, if they agree, if they have beef, whatever. Um, they were with you, man. Like, they are sick of him too. And it's kind of interesting. Like, <laughs> just generally being sick of a player could drive a lot of people to release. Like, it's like almost like a fantasy football mentality. Like, cut him, man. Like, there's not a lot of time left in the season. Let's go. Well, and I the conclusion that I came down with Rendon and with most of the players that I feature, because these are all players that are like 90% plus rostered on the major platforms. A few are in the 80s, but, you know, pretty much close to universally owned all six players that I featured. And I think four of the six, I said, keep keep the player. And Rendon was one of them because as frustrating as he's been, there isn't anything in the underlying profile, like the peripheral stats where you're like, oh man, he's lost all his power or, you know, he's lost all his speed. I mean, it was, it's kind of iffy as to how much of this is bad luck and how much of this is skills erosion. And even if it is skills erosion, who's to say he doesn't come back. And like, if you've seen the column Nando, so you know that I set it up saying like, if you drop any one of these guys, you're risking, <coughs> excuse me, you're risking dropping Jose Ramirez at the 2019 all-star. Yes. Yeah. We all, we all remember that. So, 
you know, Rendo could have that kind of Ramirez like turnaround in the second half. But will he? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Okay. I, I do not have my my crystal ball out. But I, I did say keep him because I liked his chances better than, say, like Glaber Torres. I just I just cut him. I, I'm I'm surprised he's as heavily rostered as he is still. Glaber Torres? He hasn't shown you any. Yeah, he hasn't shown you anything since 2019. Um, well, I'm trying to remember now who the other player was that I said to let go of. Hey, Eugenio Suarez was in it there. It wasn't him. Charlie Blackman. I was and not, Suarez and Blackman were surprising me because I went into the column expecting to say cut these guys and I actually found in Suarez's case that as bad as he's been he's actually returned some positive value and so there's upside to be had from where he is now and if, if you never see that you're still getting somebody who's who's n- not even replacement level but you know better than that and Blackman who has been replacement level despite being right in the middle of the Rockies order um He's had, he's had a weird profile this year. He's hitting flies and liners harder than he ever has in the StatCast era. That's amazing to me. He is being more selective and has a lower chase rate than he ever has in his career. He's just hitting too many grounders. Weird. That in, that intrigues me. And if I had Blackman on any teams, and I don't this year, but if I did, I would definitely be hanging on to see what he does the next few weeks. It seems like that's just someone, someone should be like, hey, man, move your hands here. Like, you know, you, you, hear, you right? You hear those problems and you're like, oh, and then, you know, my hitting coach pointed out to me that I, you know, my toe tap or like I was just like two inches in front in the box. You know what I mean? And he had me move two inches back and I just unlocked something and I was amazing. Like that, it seems like that's a solvable problem because all the other, everything else is fine. Just why are you hitting ground balls? I don't know. I was, I was too, too close in the box. Well, if it were that easy, I'm sure a lot of people would, you know, reverse their their ground ball rates but but you know Blackman's case what I don't know obviously what it would take to change that for him but that's very kind of recently loaded that's I know it's not really a term but like it's the opposite of whatever front loaded is back loaded I guess <laughs> sure um, <laughs> that he wasn't hitting so many grounders uh the first few weeks of the year so whatever this is it's something it does seem like he could correct maybe he's hiding something masking an injury Maybe. Yeah. Get well. Get well, Charlie Blackman. <laughs> We're pulling for you, man. <laughs> Al, you wanted to talk Ramon Urias, um, which I found interesting because I mean, you, you probably see something. I, I see no power in an okay average. That's interesting because I looked at the profile, thought this is a Nando guy. So I, really? I was wrong. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I knew my Nando guys. But, well, I, I wanted to talk about him because I've, I've already picked him up in that Otnu league that I mentioned. And, again, this is a league where I'm contending. So, um, but I... I lost Catal Marte and actually lost several players recently. And, um, you know, trying to find a middle infielder, it's, there's, there's a really big drop off there. And Urias was kind of like the best of who was left, but I, it was more than just kind of hold my nose and, and, you know, get a warm body. Like I actually, if you look at the, the underlying numbers for him, they're, they're pretty good. And, and I noted this on uh, fancy in 15 the other day, that of everybody that was are you in the just, lineup, are we just doing recycled fantasy and 15 stuff here now? Yes, we are. That's, right. that's, that's my MO for the show. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> uh, so that particular day, Mullins didn't start. So Urias actually had the highest OPS in the lineup, which I thought was surprising and interesting, but um, he's, he's getting the barrels seven out of his last 60 or seven out of 61 batted balls this season for an 11.5% rate, which is excellent. He's averaging 94.5 miles an hour on flies and liners in exit velocity. That's really good. Like that's substantially above the major league median. 
So he's showing legit power. He's in a great park. He's going to visit other good power parks. Like, what's what's not to like here? And he's going to play a lot. Yeah, all right. You've convinced me. <laughs> look, I think... So I, you look at 2018. He had 20... So... I'm a child, so I just go to minor league stats, look at power, look at speed, look at average, and then look at doubles if the power looks like it could be something good. And in about a half a season, you know, three, 310 at-bats in 2018, he had 28 doubles, um, you know, which puts him on pace for, let's just, let's just lazily double that and, you know, over 50. So, you know, 26 homers, 50 doubles should have turned into something. Um, and look, I think we're learning St. Louis has crazily mismanaged their minor leagues almost to Houston Astros type levels um, with all the studs who are coming out right now. Right. Like Andres yeah, Garcia, yeah. like so, someone put a tweet out like with this, with, I think it was the 2018 Memphis Redbirds team was like completely stacked with all these guys who are just killing the ball right now. Uh, and I think only like half of them are on St. Louis still. Oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> I got to find it. Obviously it was Garcia was the big name surprise name, but there were more. See what John Nagowski does as a pirate. See, that's what I'm talking about Al. <laughs> We should do this more often. I agree. Yeah. We'll set that up afterwards. Yeah, I, we'll, I would we'll like that. Maybe just like poison uh, DVR like to the point, not like a serious poisoning, just like a, a small one. Nah, I think we need another plan. All right. <laughs> and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, Al, I know we, you know, we teased before um, the guy asked you not to fab, and I think it kind of plays in. We've talked some middle infield. Mm-hmm. Um, we touched on Glaber Torres. This guy's Hoi Jun Park. Uh, he's hitting 341 with eight home runs and five steals with a 1.085 OPS for Scranton. Scranton Wilkesbury, the Yankees uh, minor league affiliate. There's kind of a path to playing time here. Um, bought three of his rookie cards last night after I kind of stumbled upon him. Al, what's happening? How come no one's talking about him? Well, I'm not sure. And I, I'm part of the problem because I will admit 
I hadn't heard of them until you put them in the notes and told me not to bid on them. Now, I did not uh, either. Uh, I found them when I was sorting minor league stats for, for the show. I was looking for <laughs> someone else, and I'm like, what's this? Yeah, well, it's it's just it's a weird year for the minor leagues because we do have a number of players that are just kind of popping up out of nowhere who maybe had some really good development in 2020. Who knows? But uh, So, you know, maybe that's just part of it, that it's just somebody maybe who uh, – you know, while we didn't have baseball, made made some good strides. Uh, but I looked him up, and um, there was a piece linked to his player page on Fangrass from uh, Eric Longenhagen, or maybe it's Longenhagen. Uh, so I apologize, Eric, because I got it wrong one of those times. Uh, <laughs> but you got it right. That's also true. Uh, and so in this piece on, on Park, uh, and, and the piece really emphasizes, like, his feel for the zone, which, you know, you can see reflected in his, his high walk rates. Uh, but says in this piece, uh, film study of Park shows a player much like the one the industry last saw in 2019. He tracks pitches well, and his swing has natural lift, but there isn't big raw power here. So if that's kind of the consensus among scouts and, and prospect experts, then that would at least partially explain, I think, why we haven't heard more about him. All right. Is, I mean, now, I guess my follow-up is, are you intrigued? I am intrigued, and I think for the very reason you mentioned that at some point, don't the Yankees need to kind of pull the plug on, on Glaber Torres and at least maybe give him a, a smaller role or something? You know, let somebody else get in there. Um, I mean, you know, given that they are losing ground, um, I, th- I mean, he know, seems, seems like a spark. I mean, he's, he's got a little bit of power right now. He's got some nice speed. He's got batting average, which hasn't been like his entire career. His batting average actually has been pretty bad his entire career, but his his on base has been great. I mean, that seems like a guy the Yankees should just spark plug up and, you know, he'll hit like three homers in his first six games and all of New York will love him. Yeah. Kyle Higashioka for the, uh, for the middle infield. There you go. Shane Spencer, part two, just with not as much power. Yeah. No, I, I, I would love to see it. Would you? Yes. All right. Yes, I would. Well, anyway, he's now a member of my Scott White Dynasty League team. I know Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you, Al. Um, where would you like to go? Where do you want to go with this? I mean, we, here's what we can talk. We can talk David Dahl, um, Austin Voth. You know who we should talk about? He's not in the rundown, but you mentioned him before, Cedric Mullins, because I always associate him with you. We're in a score sheet league, and what, I think we trade. Did we trade him? I traded him to you, or you traded him to me, and I. <laughs> you don't remember? I wish I could remember which. That's hard. Um, I know. I, that's why I'm sorry. But I mean, it was like what, three years ago. Um, Wait a second. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was last year. Whenever it was, I just remember you and I having this very poignant conversation, and maybe it was on one of the Nando Thursdays. Like, what happened to Cedric Mullins? Like, he was he was charting up. Like, he, he had proven himself at the major league level, and um, just all of a sudden, he just s- stopped. You know, like, he wasn't, he wasn't good. Um, and now he's this player that... I certainly didn't expect. I mean, I was looking more for, you know, lead off, score, run, steal bases kind of player. And he's become something entirely different and better. And I certainly didn't see this coming. It would, I mean, like what, what's happening Al? Like what, like, did he, did you dig in it? Like, did he change some kind of batted ball profile? Did he figure something out? Like, cause I thought, I really thought like looking at his minor league numbers, I'm like, he must've just been that good year in the majors was probably the aberration. There's something wrong with him now, but, but no. 
No, I, I really, I still don't have an explanation and I, I have sort of le- sort of lazily lumped him in sort of like what I think of as like the Michael Franco profile, which is like somebody with decent power who's in a great park to exploit that. Cause if you like, look at the Phillies, particularly from like a couple years ago, I just remember that they had a whole bunch of players who didn't have great stat cast numbers, but we're putting up really, you know, good, good to very good power numbers. And it's, you know, the whole, the home numbers were a lot better than the road numbers. So I haven't even done that level of analysis on Cedric Mullins, but again, in the AL East, it's kind of hard to do because you can also, you know, pile them up, uh, Yankee stadium or, uh, you know, wherever the blue Jays happen to be playing, that always seems to be a good hitters park. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I really should dig into that more. This has been more of a case for me of that. I do have him on a few teams and I've just sort of enjoyed it. So nice. All right. uh, What better way to do it? That's why we play, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, let me ask, I would like, go ahead. Go, I'm sorry. Go, please. I was going to say, I would like to talk about Victor Robles. Oh yeah. He was, uh, he's, did I put that in the rundown? You did. The story is uh, he's obviously also on my Scott White Dynasty. Oh yeah, there he is, number eight on my Scott White Dynasty League team. Um, as part of my fire sale, I had someone, and I'll I won't mention his name because we've all been there. Uh, be like, yeah, I'd love you know, I'd love to talk about trading for Robles. I'm like, all right, cool. And then 20 minutes later, he sent an email back saying, I didn't realize he was this bad. I'm sorry, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> he's only, I mean, he's rostered in 31 percent of leagues, which is unfathomable to me. Unfathomable to me based on what we were talking about him, you know, two, three years ago. So floor is yours, my friend. All right. Well, so I I did want to talk about him because this is a case of somebody who has confirmed my biases and maybe to to my own detriment. So I'm glad that you, you know, you gave me a prompt to like look more into what's going on with Victor Robles this year, because I look back at, you know, two years ago, uh, he hit 17 home runs. And I remember my, my offseason analysis at that point was just, this makes no sense. He's one of the least powerful hitters in the major leagues. This just seems like a huge over, overperformance. And so what has he done in 2020 and 2021? He's like kind of fallen off the map. It's like, ha, see? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that, you know, I shouldn't stop there uh, because he's actually hitting for a little more power this year and it's just not showing up. So it's the reverse of 2019. Not the exact reverse because he's not hitting for legit, you know, 17 home run in a full season kind of power, but not as little power as he's hit. And I think he's hit only one home run so far. So that year, 2019, he averaged on flies and liners, 88.6 miles an hour in exit velocity. That's abysmal. It's now this year up to 90.4, which is not good, but it's not abysmal. It's like the kind of thing where, again, if you're in that, like, you know, Citizens Bank Park, Coors Field, you know, kind of situation, Cincinnati, you have that kind of park. um, You can turn 90, 91 miles an hour on flies and liners into double digit homers. So... And, and Nationals Park's a really good park for ho- uh, right-handed home run power. So I would I would be buying Victor Robles right now. Oh, really? Because I don't think the Nationals have the depth to really replace him. But and Is he good, yeah. though? I mean, is he good at the end of the day? I mean, I don't really think he's good, but also he's still young. He's 24. So maybe that 90.4 next year turns into 92, and, you, and you've actually got something. Um, do you want him you in know, the Scott maybe White? Maybe the stolen league? bases come back. Do I want him in the Scott White? I I might. I think he's a lot though. I think he's like twenty seven plus five next year. Uh, he's at he's at no. market value. Nah. All right. 
<laughs> but but if there's a real opportunity to to get him for you know, next to nothing, I'm I'm all over that. Maybe I'll release him and pick him back up. I don't think he'll go through. Like I don't think a seven dollar bid will win him. You know. Yeah, I would guess not. Because I think out of 24 people in that league, someone still really believes in Victor Robles and thinks he'll help him contend and they have a shoddy outfield and they'll be like, all right, I'll, I'm going to put 51 on this. You know, screw the dynasty aspect of it. I'll just release him in the offseason. Um, but, you know, like use the fab. Because in our league, the fab is the salary of the next year, by the way. Yeah. All right. um, well, yeah, yeah, maybe there's a Derek Van Riper in our league because I think DVR still, still believes. I should uh, text him and find out. Yeah. I'll do that later. <laughs> I'll do that off air. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I could wait. Uh, would you rather have Robles or Josh Donaldson? Donaldson. Um, you know, and again, whatever his salary is, um, it's definitely going to be, be better value. Yeah, I would definitely much rather have Donaldson because Donaldson, when healthy, is definitely going to be helping helping my team. Yeah, but he's never healthy. I mean, when he's, even when he's not on the I.L., it's like, again, like the last three updates on him are on CBS, you know, calf injury. Oh, Donaldson exited the game. Calf injury. Oh, Donaldson might not play. He might not be in the lineup because of a calf injury. And like, as we know, I mean, calves don't go like, that's it forever. It'll haunt him. Yeah. No, I mean, it's not ideal, but if it's, you know, paying, using a good part of my salary cap for him versus using a, a bigger chunk than I should be for, for Victor Robles. I, you know what? Maybe it too depends on the position, like the t- position my team's in, which is I should be rebuilding. Robles would probably be smarter. Like you know Don, what? Don, yeah, Donaldson really isn't going to help me win the title this year. I don't think. In our in our drafts, um, our auctions, uh, like they're, they're like people go for like sixty bucks, you know, fifty bucks. Like prices are so inflated because everyone has good keeper value and dynasty value, so. You know, like a $27 Victor Robles. And this isn't me trying to talk you into it. I'm just trying to justify some of these. Like I was t- like when I was trading away you Darvish, I'm like, yeah, he's $47. But like that's a good price for a top-line starter in our league. If you put him on the open market, he'll, he'll be 61 next year, 62 next year. Um, and that worked. Like on the batting side, not so much. Like I still think 27 could be a decent deal if he turns it around, but I don't know if he's going to turn it around. Yeah, I don't expect it on that level, but... But now that I, I I'm thinking out loud here again for the position my team is in, probably he would make more sense than than uh, Donaldson, and and plus he's more the kind of player I think you could cut and nobody would bat an eye. Yeah, they'll see. I just don't think people have had Josh Donaldson on their teams uh, to experience the downs and the very few ups of owning Josh Donaldson, <laughs> of rostering Josh Donaldson. Um, anyway, you, you sound like you're just absolutely done with him. I just, you know what? This having this month off has given me some perspective, uh, and I don't know how to encapsulate that in a sentence or words. But it has led me to wanting to cut Josh Donaldson in this dynasty league instead of just trying to work some stupid trade and getting these things back that I don't want. Like I'd rather just go on the open market and get a couple guys that I want. You know, take a shot on Otterlene Rodriguez as opposed to like some prospect they're trying to send me who's like number nine out of their ten. That's all. Yeah. That's yeah. all. That's frustrating. Anyway, what do you think about Yerman Mercedes? You think Tony LaRusso ruined him? That's what Richie Schaefer I, said. I Yeah, I looked up the tweet. Oh, uh, you did? You, you <laughs> nice. Yeah. And yeah, I, you know, Richie Schaefer, I, I should defer to him because he knows much more what it is to uh, be be a ball player. 
uh, having been one and me never having been one, uh, you know, beyond like sixth grade. Um, but my reaction when they sent Mercedes down was like, this is kind of overdue. Like I, I kind of had the opposite feeling like that. I thought keeping him in the majors might be ruining his confidence. Uh, because he had that fantastic April, but he really struggled for two solid months. Uh, May and June, 196, just two home runs. No no power to speak of behind the, the low power output, 90.7 mile an hour uh, average exit velo on flies and liners. Have you noticed I like that stat? I love it. I love um, it. Now. This is why we're such a good team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there was legit power the, for, for the first month, but it just evaporated. So you know, why just keep sending him out there game after game after game? You know, what's the expression? Um, Not changing something, expecting different results is the definition of insanity. It's kind of what I felt like the White Sox were doing with Mercedes. So I thought it was a good move to send him down and hopefully he can get back to where he was in April. I do think Richie Shaver's right. The tone of the Russa destroyed this guy. Like, how can you play for a coach like that who does that kind of stuff and like invites other people to hit you, you know? Oh, well, that, yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah. I thought he was referring, Yeah, you know, I completely misread the tweet because I thought he was just referring to the fact that he got sent down, but. Oh, no, I assumed yeah, he, he meant like when that, when that, if you trace it back from when that incident happened, he, he's been in a nosedive since that. Like, that's the point I that I reference. Oh, okay. See, I did not sync that up because I thought the nosedive was before that. So. Well, I might have started. Oh, that's, in, that's interesting. I mean, I guess you yeah. can't really count that home run that he hit right before that day because that was the right. home run that started this whole thing. And you know what I found weird? Yerman Mercedes pitched. Like, he knows what it's like. It's not like this is a guy who's just teeing off some dude who came in. Like, Mercedes actually came into a game and pitched himself before he hit that home run. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. There are just all these nuances, and I just hate Tony La Russa. Yeah, no, that's always fair. I know you like him because of the dog thing, and you're a dog guy. And, you know, in spite of that, I don't like him. Oh, real? How about that, Al? <laughs> All right, great. <laughs> Let's dedicate the rest of the show to how much we hate Tony LaRusso and why. Go. <laughs> What's funny, by the way, also is Richie Schaefer showing up in my life again. Like I had, I had him. He was hit. He had power in the minors. Like I really thought something was going to happen with Richie Schaefer, and um, I, it didn't. I did too. I did too. Huh. Glad, glad to have him back as well. Kind of reminded me. Should have him also on the maybe show. A little, it's a good idea. Yeah, maybe he's good. Maybe he's a good uh, on-air personality. Anyway, sorry. Al, speaking of the White Sox, Jake Berger. 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 We likey? Uh, well, I'm going with Berger. All right. Um, it's so much more fun that way. Yes. And, no, I really like him a lot. I think it, it, it was a good move or maybe still could be a good move to pick him up. Just one of these things where it's like let, let the skills – you know, let the skill shine and, and then let the role uh, come. But it is hard to see where he's going to get the playing time in that lineup, even, you know, with, with players being out. Um, so I'm not sure how much faith I really have in that, that approach of, you know, just let him play his way into playing time. Right. But, you know, if you don't, if you're not sacrificing the spot for somebody who's got a better shot of, of regular production. I, I kind of like that with him just to stash him and see what happens. But I, I kind of feel like we, you know, we're bearing the lead here because Brian Goodwin is hitting cleanup. Oh yeah. For the White <laughs> yeah let's Sox. get into that. <laughs> Brian Goodwin, um, I feel like shows up for a month and a half every year and people go all over him and then, you know, and then like, true. Oh yeah, right. No, it's absolutely true. And once I noticed that looking and again, I, I 
I slept on that. So um, seeing that as I was preparing for the show, it's like, hmm, where can I use Brian Good? I do have him in a score sheet league, but you know, where else can I use him? I'm such a terrible score sheet player, Al, by the way. I'm not having a good year. I'll say that much. I, but like, you know, Salfino has unlocked the code. You know, he's like, use platoon hitters. You want to get guys who walk a lot, go strong pitching. And I never listened. I got this amazing fantasy team. Like I have Fernando Tatis, Vlad Jr., Raimel Tapia. Like I have a really good lineup and my team just sucks. It's a shame. <laughs> it is. You've you've had your moments, right? Uh, I'm in the playoffs a couple times, but, you know, again, yeah. middling. I'm in part of like a four-year rebuild here. It's a tough league. It's tough league with a lot of good players in it. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, I, oh, go ahead. You mentioned Austin Voth earlier, and, you know, he's kind of intriguing in the uh, saves plus holds realm, which I'm more into this year. But, uh, again, another thing discovering, uh, looking at the depth chart, that Kyle Lobstein's back. And he's not lobbing anymore. No. Oh, let's go, Al. This is the Al that people are tuning in for. <laughs> well, I feel like this is real under-the-radar kind of stuff. Kyle Lobstein pitching the majors for the first time since 2016, and instead of throwing, like, 87-88, he's throwing 92. What did he, was he doing in between? Was he surgery? Did he go to Korea? Like, what's the... Usually when these guys come back transformed, you know? I, yeah, I seem to think he pitched overseas, but I, I actually didn't, you know... I, I really, uh, I failed this Nando. Cause I, really Hold on, I just out. saw he was back. <laughs> I did. I saw that as a transaction the other day. And then looking at the depth chart that reminded me of it. Like, Oh my God, under the radar, Kyle Lobstein. But yeah, I, I don't know where he's been. I don't know. What he's been up to. He has been in the minors, like bouncing around the minors, Oakland, Washington, Dodgers, Miami, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. He's just been bouncing around from organization to organization. Oh, it's, I do remember the Marlins. Like you got it. This is a, a serious hide partial Rose kind of guy here. On the yes. on B ref, I don't know if you, you, you have to do it yeah. if you're gonna get anywhere. Yeah, he's been in. He's been every year since 2015. He's been with a different organization with wow. some decent results well, in here. Actually, you know, like it, nice minor league numbers back in 2017 when he was with Miami. Not a lot. That of looked like he was doing all right in the minors this year. He had a sub two ERA. One that, point, that, ball, that bullpen's pretty bad. Yeah, he had actually, yeah, he hadn't started, he hasn't started, well, he started regularly in 2018, but last year looks like he went reliever. 2017 looks like he went reliever. Interesting, Al. I I thought so. He's, I mean, he's striking people out. He's 25 and 21 and a third in the minors this year. He hasn't really been, a, hold on, I got to switch to widescreen view. Some of these quirks of baseball reference lately are bothering me. It won't let me just uh, scroll I- over. I got to switch to widescreen view. And then I click on yeah. these ads by accident all the time because the page load takes a little while. Oh, that's that's annoying. I um, yeah, I'm more of a fan graphs guy. Yeah, I'm just a. I just love. I just feel like I feel at home in this site. <laughs> Al, I wanted to bring up uh, a couple guys back up top, and I want to just put it back in the dynasty league context. Um, you know, I watched Nestor Cortez again. I've been off for a month, so I didn't realize Nestor Cortez was going to be starting a doubleheader game for the Yankees this weekend, but. I was at my niece's birthday party, and uh, you know they're all Yankees and Mets fans. So they're watching the game, and you know it, Nestor Cortez is warming up and he's starting. I'm like, oh, this must be just one of those one inning things, and someone else is going to go. And it looks like they're stretching him out. And like Nestor Cortez has been one of my favorite pitchers forever. Just awesome minor league numbers, great ratios, good strikeout numbers. 
Um, and I started to think of, you know, him, Jonathan Lewisiga, and Michael Kopech are kind of in this weird, you know, bullpenny, long relief, multiple innings roles. They should be starters. They came up as starters and had a lot of success as starters. Um, at what point, Al, do you look at these guys and say, like, let me jump on a Nestor Cortez because this dude is starter material. And, you know, this year, maybe next year, you know, Lewisiga should find his way into the rotation maybe next year. Yeah, Kopech should be a starter at some point, maybe the end of this year or next year. How, how do you adjust values in these dynasty leagues for guys who are like, you're taking a risk because they could just be, you know, they found their home as a reliever. But do you, do, you, right. do you bake in some kind of value being like, these guys are going to be starting next year, I know it. Uh, yeah, I, that's a tough one to gauge because like you say, sometimes, well, like Josh Hader, you know, I yes, I thought Josh Hader would be a starter and he's done just fine as a reliever. Uh, I don't think anybody would regret keeping him in, in Dynasty, but um, yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, the White Sox do seem to have this pattern. I mean, I'm thinking Chris Sale. I know there have been others, um, you know, where they do follow through on on stretching out these these prospects. So I that's my expectation for Kopech's role next year. So I think I would be willing to go a little extra to, to make sure I had him rostered with Luizaga and Cortez. I don't know my impression, which may not be well-informed at all is that the Yankees are much less likely than the white Sox as an organization to do that sort of thing. And it just seems like it takes the Yankees forever to get prospects into, into regular roles. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I, I think I'd be, more optimistic about Loisaga just because they they really don't have great starting pitcher depth. They do not. Uh, Al. Yeah, so I think Loisaga, since he's kind of already been in that role a little bit, I kind of like his chances better. But um, I don't know. Cortez is interesting. I mean, Cortez it just is, seems like is he, there, right? Like Cortez, yeah. it seems like they're stretching him out. Loisaga, um, it seems like they're very comfortable with him in that late inning role. Even Greg Jewett wrote about it a couple weeks ago. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I have a hard time reading it with both of those guys. And like I said, I, I have these ideas about what the Yankees as an organization are likely to do and what they're not. Um, but I think by the same token, I think that you could probably keep those guys, you know, or get them next year without having to give up very much. That's what I'm thinking. That's what the show is all about. Bargain hunting. Yeah. yeah, and I think that those two are, you know, there's not much lost if it doesn't pan out, but could pay off big. Yeah. Um, Al, you know how, so this is, again, there's a little theme emerging here, Al and Nando, um, buddies since 2012. But back in, I think it was 2012, actually, right when I moved to Fort Lauderdale, you and I split what I believe was an American League-only team in a league. And I think you invited me to come, like, be part of it, maybe, I don't remember exactly how it happened. I think there was a keeper aspect to it because we had some players on our roster. Yes. Right? Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. But one of the guys um, was Drew Hutchison, who, you know, I think I think he was an Al guy. I think maybe he was like a borderline, not like a five-star Al guy, but maybe like a 3.75-star Al guy. That sounds about right. Yeah. Right? Back in the day, sure. Yeah. And like, it's, it, the knock on him for me was always, he's not striking people out. He's, you know, he's he's got good ratios. Uh, you know, he blows up once in a while but he doesn't get a lot of strikeouts. And so in my rounds of Milb last night, I was sorting by strikeouts, you know, for pitchers. And who shows up but Drew Hutchison with the second most strikeouts in AAA. Uh, he's got 61 and in 56 innings with a 3.86 ERA, 
and 1.27 whip in the Detroit system. And I know, like, Detroit, you got Mize, you got Scooball, you got uh, uh, Matt Manning. Mm-hmm. You know, Urania, when he's, by the way, is a Craig in Chicago guy. And we've talked about a bunch uh, on this show. Remember Craig in Chicago? Most definitely. You still talk to him? Sure. I do. I do. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, I can't think of Jose Urania without thinking of Craig in Chicago. Exactly. They're inter- Me too. intertwined. <laughs> exactly. Um, shout out to Craig in Chicago. Uh, but anyway, so I saw Drew Hutchison. And I'm like, well, you know, Detroit, it's it's not exactly the need. Um, unless they trade Matt Boyd, maybe there's like a spot for him. Maybe there's some spot starts in there. But do you ever think about going back to the Drew Hutchison well? Like believing in your analysis from back, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago and being like, yeah, all right, fine. He learned something. Uh, I, I mean, I now that you're bringing him up, I'm definitely interested. I think it's not because, you know, again, it's like confirmation bias of something that I said or wrote in 2012, but uh, more that if you look at the situation that, the, I mean, with most teams, somebody who's, you know, that old for the level doing that well, it's just like, oh, well, you know, they're just going to be filler. You know, they're going to rack up some innings and, you know, help somebody else develop. But with the Tigers, I mean, the guys that you mentioned, I mean, Mize in particular, they're going to be limiting his innings any moment now. Um, I don't know what the plan is for Manning. Uh, I'm not I'm even not exactly sure whether or not they're going to have to manage uh, Scoobles innings. I haven't seen anything about that. But it would definitely seem like there's a need to bring in somebody and just eat some innings. And why not in an AL only or a deeper league of some sort? Why not? Um, you know, uh, try to add them now just in, in the case that that happens. Drop Josh Donaldson for him. No. Nah. All right. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I know, I know. I'm well aware, Al. Thank you. Maybe, you know, Adam Engel. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, Al. A uh, bit of a wind down here. I actually pushed that 12 o'clock back 15 minutes. If you heard some typing in the background, that was me being like. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I got to finish out this I, podcast with Al. I was none the wiser. No, all Much right, appreciated. All right, great. Um, so, I, you know, David Dahl, for me, falls into the Josh Donaldson. Uh, he's kind of boring at this point, but do you want to talk about him or you want to talk about Otterlene Rodriguez? I'd rather talk about Rodriguez because David Dahl, I just, I'm just not interested at this point. I keep going back. <laughs> He's got all this talent. He just keeps getting hurt. And it's, I don't know. Maybe I just want to be annoyed. But <laughs> anyway, Adeline Rodriguez in the year of the 28 and 29 year old breakout, Al. We got another tiger here. So, yeah, so let, me, uh, let me fill you in. <laughs> yeah, please do. So please do. again, sorting. He's got 14 home runs, had 19 the year before, 23, 22, 26 before that. What caught my eye, he had a pretty good batting average to go along with that. 292 this year uh, for Toledo, 321, 286, 279, 304. Um, you know, I stopped reading at 234, 242, 260, but I think you look at the last five years he's had in the Baltimore and Padres um, and now Detroit system, that's that's solid enough for me to be like he's figured something out, you know, as a 24-year-old as opposed to 19 when he was hitting 221 in the A-League. 
Um, OBP's been great, 370, 363 the last couple of years. I, I, I mean, he's lurking in the Detroit system, and Detroit's got a lot of fluidity. Being a Nomar Mazzara rosterer, um, I know that there's probably a little role that he could carve out and come up and just, you know, hammer the ball and stick around. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it's kind of similar to, to Hutchison. Um, that I, in and of itself, I'd just be like, okay, well, he's 29. He's really old for the level. Do, do these numbers really mean much? But, you know, I guess it's a little bit different because, I mean, the Tigers really have an objective in terms of managing innings of the of the young prospects. So I'm not sure what objective they would achieve by bringing up Rodriguez other than just see what he's got. And, you know, why not? Why not do that? Especially if they, I don't know that they could trade Nomar Mazar given the season he's had. I'm trying to think. I think, I he's, I think Robbie, they're just going to cut him. Yeah. Robbie Grossman. Maybe he's a, a trade chip. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Um, but, you know, just seems like maybe they need somebody to fill some, some plate appearances and, you know, why not? I mean, so outfield, I, I may have misspoke. He's only, he hasn't played a lot of outfield, but he's listed as out. <laughs> I actually went down to look on his uh, defensive rundown on baseball references. He's only played four games in the outfield. But up top, they list him as first, third outfield, so I just assumed. My bad, well, everybody. <laughs> Again, if they trade Jonathan Scope, I mean, there's, you know, there's all kinds of ways to playing time, I would think, in that in that lineup. But I'm, like, I'm looking at this guy like I looked at uh, Adelis Garcia a couple years ago. You know, like, what, what has prevented this person from getting a shot? He's done everything they've probably asked him to do at every level, and he's just kind of toiling. You know, it seems just uh, very unfair and dumb, actually. Seems yeah, dumb, Al. It, yeah, I, I think it, it, I suppose it is. But, um, you know, we're seeing Zach Short get a get a shot there. You know, I think we're going to see a little bit of, of turnover and be, you know, they could they could right their wrongs. Yeah. And bring up Rodriguez uh, after after the All-Star break. Zach Short at shortstop, which is largely gone unnoticed. I'm sure not by you. No, in fact, I mentioned that uh, keeping with the theme of recycling fancy and 15. I, I did mention that on the show today. <laughs> That's why he's the best, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, Al. So, no, good, good call. Oh, good, hey, thanks. Good. Yeah. I mean, this is not like, I mean, I, like, I'm not pretending to be some high level analyst here. I go to MILB.com and I sort by home runs and then I just go look at the person more. That's how I found everybody. Like, all these breaks, that's all I do. Which I don't think yeah, is but the, it's, the worst thing. It's in the, the world. year of the Nando. It's working. <laughs> yeah, fine. One year. <laughs> Last guy, Al, I want to bring up is Tim Beckham, uh, who you know we're. I think very actually, I think we're very familiar with the name. I don't think we're very familiar with what he's capable of because he had that breakout. Remember that breakout year he had? Um, Twenty seventeen. I was thinking eighteen. I don't have it in front of me, but yeah, I'm just scrolling down. Somewhere in that I thought it was eighteen too, but I, I guess it's twenty seventeen. Okay. Go figure. 2017, 22 home runs, uh, 278 average. And everyone's like, oh, they're you know number one draft pick between Baltimore and Tampa Bay. Um, and, you know, then the steroid suspension, which maybe the steroid suspension was 2018, Al. Yeah, it doesn't seem like that long ago, but maybe I it was suppose 19. it was. I don't know. Anyway, the nine in, then with Seattle, he hit 15 home runs in 2019 over 304 bats. Um, last year, toiled in the minors. Hit 279, had 11 home runs over 165, which is actually pretty good. Um, and this year, he's having a season. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I just read this season's line. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> 11 home runs, hitting 279 and 165 at-bats. Well, here's 
I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to just say, which is good. It is good, but here's the thing, and this is this is the thing I do every time I see a player at AAA Charlotte or AA Reading or AA uh, Springfield, is I go to ML, MILB and I look at the home road splits, and sure enough, Tim Beckham, nine homers at Charlotte, two on the road. Oof. So I think, you know, we know who he is. I just wouldn't read anything to this being uh, another gear for him. Milb.com. Yes. Let it work for you. Also, I mean, well, Chicago's kind of weird in that they've had enough injuries where they're like a very good team, but there's some openings here and there. You know, if you could be batting Brian Goodwin in the cleanup spot, who knows what can happen? Well, it's because their dumb manager ruined a legitimate 28-year-old breakout. And it bringing it full circle. It roils me. It roils me, Al. And Richie Schaefer. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this is great, man. This is fun. I really I got to go now and do the meeting and stuff and grown-up things. But uh, I don't know, Al. Let's, let's find a way to scam our way into doing a couple more of these before the season's out. You, I, you I can host. That. You can host next time. All right. That's cool. Yeah, let's just mix it up. Yeah, I would like that. So then I could ruin your players you bring up by bringing up splits in the minors that I didn't bother to look at. I think that's I think that's fair. Okay. <laughs> All right. Deal. Uh, I look forward to it. <laughs> For the man who's about to bid $99 on on Josh Donaldson tomorrow, (laughs) El Melchior. Thank you for having me, Nada. This is a blast. Thank you, you DVR and and Ian, for big-timing me on my show back. Um, this is fun, and I hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> make sure you check out Al's column on who to, you know, which actually has sound advice on who to drop. Um, well thought out and, uh, and and well researched. Not you know, just hey, I'm going to release Josh Donaldson because I hate him. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you to Tops and all of our sponsors. Al, hope to see you again. Likewise, let's, let's make it happen. Goodbye, everybody. 